Welcome to In the Know. We are back talking about the Pelicans who are on another three-game winning streak despite missing any and everybody. We have a lot to cover. We're going to cover some of the key role players and how they've contributed during this uh, stretch of winning for the Pelicans. So tune in. I feel like I'm getting better at that every time. Which I don't know if I'm getting better at this. But this podcast is brought to you by the Birdsaw Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Boot Crew Media, located at 918 Poitier Street by the Superdome. Give them a call, 504-523-5413. If you or someone you know has been involved in the accident, be sure to mention we sent you. That's Birdsaw Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Boot Crew Media. Mason, what's up, dude? Are you ready to be a dad? (laughs) Here's the baby. We are on uh, the final countdown right now. So I I texted uh, I texted Schmidt this morning. I'm like, we sh- we should get a pod in because I don't know what what the house is going to be like <laughs> 40 hours from now. But no, we're still waiting. Um, we are past uh, we're past due date, so it uh, it will not go any longer than a couple days from now. But um, so we're we're obviously very excited here, anxious, um, ready to become parents. Uh, well, you're never actually ready to become parents, but we're we're, we're excited about it. So um that's what's uh what's going on over here uh, how you doing how was your holiday uh my holiday was good relaxing obviously not my life isn't about to be turned upside down uh like yours um so you know best of luck with that i hope everything goes smoothly and Thanks. you know followers make sure to send mason and his wife and, and the upcoming baby uh your best of wishes um but yeah dude the pelicans the pelicans have uh Continued to win. Zion um, entered health and safety protocols a few games ago. Uh, three, he's missed three games, um, two due to the protocols, one due to reconditioning. Um, in that time, the Pelicans have also missed a few of their other key players who have caught a variety of illnesses. Herb has entered health and safety protocols. Dyson and Trey were listed out with a non-COVID illness. Um, who and, and they went through practice this uh, this morning, so they seem to be on schedule to be back along with Zion. But three games where they've missed key players and they've rely, had to rely on their depth. Um, the only two starters uh, intact really have been CJ McCollum and and Jonas Valanciunas. And we can talk about them uh, in a little bit. But the Pelicans have found a way to win each game, uh, relying on their depth. Uh, we've seen role players really come out of um, their shell a little bit as, as they've been given the minutes and freedom to uh to expand their game and and they've they've stepped up and somehow the pelicans keep winning of of the three wins uh so it was san antonio um okc and uh why am i blanking on the one indiana (laughs) uh indiana well which of the three do you think was the most impressive one um i think Based on flow of the game, the OKC one was great, and, I, and but I, I feel like the game. La- well, I, no, it's got to be it's got to be OKC. You're on a back to back. You're on the road. OKC's a, a I feel like still a better team than than folks give him credit for. Shea is a, absolutely an all star this year. Um, pro- he's undoubtedly the best the best individual talent of those three teams. No disrespect to Tyrese Halliburton, but he's he's a you know best player that guy they played, and just the flow of that game. Um, ending up in overtime and then winning an overtime game, which is something that has eluded this team for much of the year until that Suns game uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, so I think, I think seeing this team win a crunch time game um, is has to be something that you feel good about, especially given, as you said, um, they're missing a bunch of key guys. So I think that has to be get, letting those players get those types of reps, um, you know, uh, especially some of the younger folks. Um, I, I think with CJ leading the helm, I think is you, you love to see it. And so that, I think that's the answer for me, but I mean, last night's game, that was, that was impressive too. Yeah. So, I mean, like Indiana is obviously the best team out of the three. So blowing them out is obviously, uh, I mean, they probably, they probably are. I don't know. Like I feel, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I don't mean to be too controversial here. Right? I mean, cause I just think OKC's a, a solid team. Look, OKC, I think they're, they're probably like one like rotation piece away from being like a real play in team. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want to say playoffs, but like a real play in team. If they had like one solid wing player or maybe like one solid front court player, which I'm interested to see how they look when, when Chet comes back next year, I think, mm-hmm. 
that and then whoever they add in the draft or if they end up spending some draft capital for for a player they think that fits that's the team i keep saying like maybe they should go in for og maybe they should go in for um you know devin vassell who is obviously not on the market but guys like that you put him next to shea gildas alexander that's a fun team that's a really fun team i got sidetracked um Beating Indiana is is no small feat. They've been playing well. They're a good three-point shooting team. It's a team that the Pelicans lost to earlier uh, when they did have Zion. And and now, you know, not only was Zion out, Trey was out, Herb was out, Dyson was out. Um, obviously, Brandon Ingram was out. And and they had to start Jackson Hayes. And, and uh, the, the way in which they won, to me, was really impressive because, uh, as expected, the Pelicans did not shoot well from three. But they did dominate in other areas of the game. They dominated on the offensive glass. They dominated, uh, dominated on rebounding in general, points in the paint, uh, forced a lot of turnovers, and in general really embraced the physicality and size um, that's on the roster without without all the, the wings and scoring that are out. And it, it was it was fun to watch. I had zero expectations for that game. I was like, so many people are out. Like, just no one else get hurt, please. Yeah. <laughs> just make it out of this one healthy. Don't don't um, you know, don't don't hurt yourself moving forward. And the Pelicans really impressed. But you're right. the The OKC game was. Uh, I think mentally that was that's a tough one to win because going up big, blowing the lead. Uh, you, like you said, back to back on the road, but it's also like the game before like Christmas and everyone's kind of like ready to, to get out of there, be with their families and um, just, you know, just ready to, ready to be gone. And, and that one was tough, but I, I had, um, I didn't like how the second half of that, that game played out. Uh, obviously it's a win, a win's a win and you take it and, and, and you don't question it, but you know, the things that worked for them in the first half, they went away from. And and they came out in the second half, and and it gets once again it was their offense, who which ended up being a problem that allowed OKC not only like back in the game but to take the lead. And what was the offense? Well, Mason, it was anybody but Jonas Valanciunas. You're allowed to throw up a brick as much as you want, as many as you want. You can have a complete disaster uh, of a performance on the offensive end of the court, and you will not, you know be be held accountable for that so a, a lot of it was the Pels wings um before that fourth fourth quarter Herb and Najee man they just they that third quarter was really bad for them and and Jonas got two shots uh and both of those shots were offensive rebounds not a single shot was like rent run you know not a single play was run for him he didn't get a single um basket that he did not grab for himself off the off the glass and put back in mm-hmm. so that that was a little bit difficult to see but that part aside, you know, they decided to go to Jackson Hayes um, at the end of that game because Jackson offered them a lot of the same stuff Larry offered him in terms of mobility on defense, the ability to, to switch some of the stuff, pressure the ball handlers if he gets caught out there. And and credit to Jackson Hayes, man. He he came out. He came out ready to play. He he stepped it up on both ends, did his job as a screener and roller to open up stuff for, for people um, on the team, but also, like, he finished, got to the line, and it was really impressive. And and then Herb Jones um, had a really impressive fourth quarter on on both ends of the court. He got to the line. Um, I want to say I forgot how many times he got to the line, but both him and Najee were getting to the line a lot. A lot of free throws shot for the Pelicans, um, and they really turned it around um, in the fourth quarter in, in, in overtime. But mm-hmm. uh, so impressive, impressive win nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, you you look at the the box score and and the the Jonas piece specifically doesn't jump out to you because, um, you know, he I think he went like two for six in the first half and then like you said his only two shots in the second half were the ones that he he created for himself. But you can see on the others this uh, other stats what Jonas going playing through him kind of did the three point difference in the first half and second half in terms of both takes and makes significantly different. Um, and and that's kind of what being you know having defenses collapse around him to stop him is important. And then uh, as far as Jackson Hayes goes, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he played really well. I, I, I think, um, I, I think that's the, a team like the thunder, this is going to sound like a backhand compliment and it kind of is, but um, a team like the thunder, it's a young, another young team. And you, you've, you've seen what teams like the Suns can do to, they did to Jackson Hayes um, as, as a guy kind of um, doesn't have, you know, he's not that disciplined defensively. He kind of goes on instinct and, and athleticism, which works for uh, you know a decent amount of time. Um, against the Thunder, that 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 tracked and and that, and that worked and and uh, you know he didn't he didn't hurt the Pelicans that much defensively uh, and and then offensively he 
he, he was in the right spots at the right time. And he, he, he really, um, you know, f- found ways to, to make an immediate impact. And so he, he definitely changed, um, you know, changed the outcome of that game. Yeah. It's, it's tough because, you know, the Jonas was like, Jonas and the Pels, they were up like 20 plus in, in the first half of the game. Jonas was like plus 15 in the first half and a single game and single half plus minuses is, is not predictive at all, but it's just like, Hey, that was, that was working. And so, um, when you when you have a front court like Poku and JRE and Kenrich, um, and and then Jonas can't get on the court, or they won't put Jonas on the court versus that front court, and they won't play through him. That to me is is been emblematic of the issues all season long, right? That that's that's Jonas's usage in a nutshell. It's like okay, that is a lineup you expect them not only to play through him, but he should demolish. Like they have nothing for him there, right? And and the team opted to not go that direction. They ended up winning. So you can, you know, the result ended up working out, but the process of it, uh, it just leads you to question, hey, like if they don't go through him for that team, then which which team is it? Like which matchups, you know, do you see? And obviously there's some that they like. They, they, Willie specifically mentioned. Apparently the Pacers. <laughs> right. 18, yeah. 18 shots. Well, Right. He played really well against the Pacers. Well, he's mentioned, you know, he, he plays well against the Bulls and then obviously he's demolished the Spurs every time he's seen him. Pirtle's got nothing for him. And and which is absolutely hilarious to me. You know, all these like trade candidates that have been thrown around for the for the Pelicans, um, similar uh, tier guys or maybe lower tier guys. And, and Jonas is just barbecued. Right. So uh, Pirtle, every matchup. Everyone's like, oh, Pearl's a rim protector. What? A rim protector on the worst defense in the league? And, and their defense is better when he sits? I don't want to hear it. I, I don't want to hear it. Um, and 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 then Miles Turner, obviously, like, yeah, he had a, you know, 12, 12, 8, 2 blocks. Did you feel him out there? No. <laughs> no. I mean... You know what you did feel? Like the 18 million <laughs> offensive rebounds the Pelicans had. <laughs> so, so you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I hope they continue to find ways to use Jonas, but... This podcast isn't going to be about Jonas. I, I want to talk about Jackson. I want to talk about Najee. I'll talk about some of the other players. So let's let's stick on Jackson here. He's, he's strung together now two consecutive games uh, where he's he's had double-digit points and, um, you know, largely made an impact on, on both ends of the court. The athleticism is once again on full display. Ridiculous shot blocking, ridiculous dunks, uh, the ability to cover ground, stay in front of guards. And um, it seems like he's playing with a motor and intensity that he's been criticized for, for not having in the past or being at least inconsistent with it, right? This is the pattern we've seen is early in the season. It's up and down with him. He takes a prolonged period on the bench, comes out renewed with, with whatever he's got and, and he, and he looks good. So my question to you, I have a couple questions to you. One do you feel like there's anything different going on with Jackson that we haven't seen in the past? Um, I have to look at the numbers to, to confirm this, but I do feel like he's doing a better job of creating trips to the free throw line, creating, creating contact. And, and obviously like he's getting set up for a lot of those buckets. Right. But, but his athleticism, his ability to, to, you know, create those mismatches and advantages is, you know, is powerful. And, and it feels like he's getting, he, he's just, he's doing a better job to, to get, get teams in the foul trouble to get to the free throw line. I, I think over the last couple of games, I mean, he's, he's taken like, t- he has like 10 field goal attempts, something like that. And he's about, has about the same amount of free throws. And and so I think that's a, that is a notable stat for him. Um, even the, regardless of how he's shooting for, for at the free throw line, anything you can do to get teams into foul trouble um, or, or get, get into the bonus more quickly. I mean, that that's, if you, if you're looking for like in the beginning of the second quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, your second unit to, to really, you know, push the pace and and create problems for the team down the stretch of each half. That's a great problem to try to create. And so I think that's one thing that, you know, he's been able to do is, is force teams to foul him because if not, he's just going to yam on their head. <laughs> so um, I think that that's something that's caught my eye. Yeah, I mean, I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's anything new with him. In okay. in college, he was an elite free throw rate guy. His first year, um, especially when he was a starter playing with Drew and all Lonzo, those guys, he ended up at the free throw line a lot. Um I think it's been inconsistent the next couple of years. And to me, 
the issue with Jackson on the offensive end, I'm not talking about defense. I'm not talking about rebounding, that kind of stuff. The issue with Jackson on the offensive end has 100% been related to who the creators are around him and what the focus of, of those lineups are. When he's in lineups that have limited guard play and limited creation, and they don't care about the big in that lineup, and he's just forced to stand in the dunker spot or space out to the corner, he hasn't been that effective. And, and in fact, he causes spacing issues. He doesn't really know what to do off the ball. He floats around. Um, and and he's gotten better. I will say he's improved at like timing his cuts from and slashes from the corner and, and when to go for a rebound or or not. But that's just not how they need to use the most athletic person they have on the team. Um, they need to use him as a pick and roll guy. They, they need, because one of the, one of the ways you create space with non shooters or at least guys that other teams don't respect is you use them to set screens. And and we know Jackson struggles at like making contact at the screen, but that even if he's up there, like pretending to set a screen, that's going to bring his defender up into the play. And if a guard is then, coming off of that screen into a pick and roll situation. Well, then then it's a pick your poison, right? Do you stop the guard from scoring? Do you stop Hayes from rolling? And, and how are you going to do that? So are you going to have your big man stay home while, while Hayes is rolling? Okay. Well, the guard's probably going to get downhill to the rim, right? Um, Do you send someone from the weak side to tag Hayes as the roller and then recover out? Well, if you're doing that, then that opens up looks in the corner whether that's a corner three or that's Herb Jones catching and going and getting to the foul line or getting a layup or getting a dunk, um, that it's it's good offense. And mm-hmm. and so Jackson is at his best when he's involved in actions. And that's the case for almost every single big in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Almost every single big, right? Unless you're Jokic, unless you're you're you know you're Embiid, AD Giannis, um, you know, you're that tier of guy. You, you need – you're dependent on your guards. You need people setting the table for you, and you need to be involved in the offensive action to to really maximize what you're doing. Like, I, I've said this for years. You put Jackson Hayes on a Chris Paul team, like he's <laughs> probably averaging 15, 16 points a game um, in, in 20 minutes just because CP's hitting them with pocket passes, lobs, all that kind of stuff, and Jackson's going to get – like, you give Jackson a runway, he, he just needs a step to dunk on you. That's it. He just needs to step. And so he's going to get to the free throw line or he's going to finish. And um, I I hope if Jackson continues to get minutes, it's in lineups that can create for him. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about him? So, like, let's, let's talk about his role on the team. Let's say, you know, t- the Pelicans are getting healthier. Where, where would you find minutes for him? Where would you try to slot him in? And, 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 and what kind of things would you have him do? That I it's a it's a hard question to answer because I don't I don't really see I don't see a pathway and this is this is what we were talking about at the start of the season I don't, I don't really see a pathway for him to get any sort of real minutes when when this team is healthy and and he's if he shows he can rebound the basketball better and I think he's done a little bit better than what we've seen from him uh you know to in, in his career to this point but I mean that's the that's the weakness of this team when uh, for the uh, when Jonas sleeps the floor and so the reason that Billy has gotten so out minutes when he has is because that's the one thing he does really well is, is rebound the basketball. And so, um, you know, should he play in those, in those situations over Billy? I, I could, I could see that if you feel like, I think your point is, is really, really strong one about, you know, putting the right players around him, but I don't, it's, it's tough because he has played well, but I just, I, I don't see a clear opportunity for him to get minutes if this team is healthy because i don't think there's much beyond the the ability to be that type of role threat and the new a different type of offensive weapon i don't i don't see it uh and so yeah i mean i i I just i i I can't and and two games against the pacers and the thunder isn't gonna get me to, to to waver on that but um, I mean, do you, do you have a different opinion on on the ways that he can be like minutes he should get over to other players? My only opinion on that is is he's kind of the the character foil for for Larry Nance, right? So like in a way that Billy Hernan Gomez 
lets you play a similar style to Jonas. Yep. Um, but he's a versatile version of him. I think Jackson can let you play a similar style to Larry being yep. a, a worse version of him. Yep. Um, fair. And and the way they should use him is to, to give Larry rest and breaks. And, you know, there's going to be nights where Jonas is in foul trouble and you don't want Larry playing 30 minutes that night or you don't want him on a specific matchup. Go ahead, put Jackson in there for 10 minutes. Won't hurt, right? Um, there's going to be nights where I think you should just rest Larry, period. Like next time you play uh, a team like the Rockets or, you know, a, te- a team um, in the bottom of the standings, give Jackson run. Like, like give Larry – like he – Larry has uh, – I don't want to say an extensive injury history, but he's not a man that's that's been historically healthy. Achilles and soreness is nothing to mess around with. So Achilles soreness is nothing to mess around with. He has ice like on his shoulder after every single game, and it's 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 something that's bothered him uh, for quite some time now. So Larry's going to be a key part of the rotation moving forward, especially in the in, in the playoffs. Um, I think the Pelicans in this long season can afford to steal some rest for him, and that's the perfect place to play Jackson um, and and get him some of those minutes. So the way they need to do it, you know, the same thing to do with Larry is like they put. Larry out there in the in the second quarter with with Zion, um, Jose, um, you know some of the wings, and then they switch everything. They they kind of like play at an up tempo pace. They obliterate um, opposing benches. You know what? You know what they used to do under Stan Van Gundy? The exact same thing. It was the Zion, Kyra, Josh Hart, Nikhil, and Jackson units. They obliterated benches in the second quarter. They did the same exact thing. And 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 that started happening more, you know, when they put the ball in Zion's hand. And so it was like point Z. But that's that's what's going on right now with, with those, those Larry units, right? That Zion is the primary source of offense. Um, you know, if they're not crashing the offensive glass and, and all or playing in transition. So I think they can replicate some of that and and they should, you know, look to do it uh moving forward. The question I've wanted to ask you is, you know, we're talking about Larry and Jackson as as similar players as and in terms of like strengths and weaknesses they're both athletic they can guard multiple positions they're not fantastic rebounders um though they can go get you offensive rebounds um better than they can get you defensive rebounds they can block some shots create some turnovers they have similar offensive uh limitations in that no one's really gonna no one respects them as a shooter um i think jackson might actually be better offensively um in terms of scoring where I think Larry's the better passer and just a smarter player overall. Uh, I, I think Jackson is more willing to like go up and 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 you know get to the free throw line or you know try to lay the ball in, and that's some of his athletic gifts. And uh, not that Larry's unathletic. I'm not, I'm not sure I've ever <laughs> seen Jackson Hayes try to lay a ball in. I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah, and and so you know um, they're similar. They have similar strengths and weaknesses. So. When you talk about like closing lineups and closing bigs or like the big, you know, the big man dimension, the Pelican need, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Le- right now, Jackson isn't providing you anything you don't already have. Um, it's just a different flavor of what you have. What do you think Jackson needs to do to supplant Larry in that same role? Uh, can he get to that point? Is that something that you can do on this team? Does he have a future of that on this team, where you can be like, okay, we're we're just rolling with Jonas and and Jackson. Let's say if like Larry misses extended time or whatever, um, and you feel comfortable like playing Jonas and then Jackson's closing out games. I don't think so, and and like that's because look, that's the reason that the Pelicans gave Larry Nance the extension they gave him. Um, you know, there's, I, I think the Pelicans are kind of it's kind of damned to do, damned to don't at this point because let's say Jackson just goes on a run and like makes himself like this valuable piece of this team. And yet another good problem to have for the Pelicans around their depth. Um, what's the, what does this contract look like? <laughs> like what's what it's, it's kind of like what, what the bulls were worried about with marketing. I mean, obviously that looks you know, bad for them a couple of years later in the new role he has, he has in Utah, but I, the Pelicans would have a problem on their hands if, if Jackson's that good. Right. Because then you've got to like, think about what the next contract for him looks like. And it, and like separate from all the other conversations we've had about how does the Pel- how do the Pelicans improve this roster? That's a big, I mean, it, there's a 
bigger question about when you want to pay the tax, because if, if Jackson is good enough and he's going to get that new contract, you are a tax team. If you're keeping him at that, at, at that, whatever price point he demands for, for getting to that level. Um, and I feel like if he's a guy who only ends up at that, that, that Larry Nance price point, like that mid-level, that probably means that he's not better than Larry because he's going to get paid on potential, right? He's going to get paid more money than probably the productivity he's giving you because of how old he is and how much more, like how, how much more um, the, a team thinks he can grow into. And so I just have a tough time allocating minutes and, you know, I, I guess valuable rotation minutes other than the kind of the intent to, to move him and see what you can get from him on the trade market, just because I don't see a viable pathway to him getting, to that point, I, I get, I, and I realize at this point, this is kind of a non-answer because you're asking for what skill sets he was, I was looking for, but like, no, but okay. But, but I want to, let me, let me ask you then. So like, if he is that good, well then why not give him that money and move Larry? Oh, that's absolutely what they would, what you would do. Um, I just think that if he is that good, we're not talking about like a $12 million versus $10 million. Distance. You don't this think so? Like, you, you think someone, if he, if he, if he gets good enough to where he's like better than Larry to close games, you still think that like some team, because he's a restricted free agent, mind you, yes. some team is is going to be able to like, all right, like with cap space, because they'll probably need it. Yeah. Um, hey, we want to pay Jackson Hay- Jackson Hayes this kind of money. Like, I'm you trying just, to figure out what team that is. I, that's a, it's a good question. I haven't. I mean, I haven't gone like, look down. At, that, look at what that Grant path, Williams. But... Look at what Grant Williams got in his extension. Um, and he's a really good player. Uh, look at what 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 Time Lord got in his extension. And he's a really good player. Like, there's no way. Well, that was highway robbery before he kind of broke out the way he did. With maybe, with, but even like but... Wendell Carter, like all of those players that showed more than Jackson did at this point, you know, and and they had a greater body of work than than in but this the... hypothetical situation where he, you know he's good for three months. I but yeah, I'm not sure at the time those those guys got those extensions. I could argue that any of them were better than what Larry Nance is giving the Pelicans right now. Maybe I guess. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's an intriguing question. Um. But Lakers yeah, I mean, like, cap space. They come, they come, they come with a term sheet for Jackson Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, there's always sign and trade opportunities too, right? Like, that's not the, the only universe here. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's uh, yeah, it's very, it's a dynamic that I that wasn't even worth considering until what a week ago, and so. Um, is it yeah, worth we'll considering now? I mean, I think that's a fair question too. Like <laughs> it's, it's two games and yeah, it's like seven quarters of, of good play. Yeah. I don't know. Against, um, against teams that are like, are, are kind of young and, and, you know, haven't, haven't been able to target or expose his flaws um, the way good teams have been able to. Yeah. Look, I think Jackson, wherever he ends up, finds a role. Um, I think he sticks around in the NBA. I think he has proven he is an NBA player. Um, role and situation are so critical to everyone that's not like a top 25 player um and even you know top 25 players can be subject to that we've seen it with <laughs> go <Gobert. laughs> a lot of people will say he's not a top 25 player um you know so i i you know with regards to jackson's future i think he, he there's an nba player there uh whether that future is on the pelicans i remain skeptical uh on and and i think if, if this is a, an opportunity to sort of cobble together some salary and still trade for the guys that we've been talking about on the, on this podcast, they should not hesitate one bit at oh, all. One second. Yeah. Um, and, and, but it's nice to see, it's nice to see that they have someone they could theoretically put out there and give Larry a break with. That's, that's my biggest takeaway is if he gives, if Jackson gives you good minutes, great. He's giving you bad minutes in the ten minutes he plays. They can solve that. Like they can, they'll be fine, and and they can bench you again. Like that's something that can happen. So I'm I'm not overly concerned. Um, but now hey, I'm just uh, itching for a uh, a Jackson Hayes slam right in Gobert's face to, tomorrow night. They're gonna need Jackson to match uh, Nas Reed's energy. Um, <laughs> Nas Reed's been balling out, man. That guy is, is playing and. Uh, he's certainly going to cause some interesting questions in in Minnesota, given how much money they've invested in their big men, <laughs> and, yeah. and the fact that he's an upcoming restrictive free agent. Um, moving on from from Jackson, uh, the other guy that's been playing extremely well is Najee Marshall. Najee Marshall has uh, had himself quite the night last night, career high in points, um, several absolutely 
uh, hilarious plays from the the sling pass, half court sling pass to to uh, Willie Hernan Gomez, and then striking the pose after it. To um, he threw his half court lob to Larry from a trap. Um, Najee had a really oh the one legged bank shot three at the <laughs> end of the insane. shot clock. Like so what? Nice. He's having a lot of fun, and he's even said he's having a lot of fun. He's having so much fun that it's just a regular day now. <laughs> so uh, acting like he's been there before. You love it. I think the last podcast we did, I gave an apology to Mister Najee Marshall. You did um, on on doubting him, and and he's continued to perform. Uh, Every opportunity he's had to start, he's averaging about 15.4 points as a starter, 5.6 rebounds, um, about three assists, 65% true shooting, getting to the line. Obviously, a lot of that's dependent on him hitting threes. He's shooting 40% from three as a starter in in seven games, very small sample, Um, whereas I think it's like 28% from the bench. So there's some of that flukiness going on, but the getting to the line part is is very real to me. The finishing finishing is, is very real. Uh, I posed a question on Twitter today. When the team gets healthy, should Najee be considered as one of the mainstays in the starting lineup? In the starting lineup? In the starting lineup. Like with all everyone else healthy? With everyone else healthy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm I'm trying to process this and like on the surface it seems ridiculous. <laughs> um because no <laughs> starters, no. This is the first time I've seen you feel so strongly about something. <laughs> well, I, I, he's not. I love it. Talk about this. No, nah, man. He's like, I don't, the shooting's not, the shooting's not, isn't real enough for me to do that. Like that, if, if I'm going to go to him over Herb Jones or Trey Murphy, he's got to be giving me something that that lineup needs and doesn't already have. And I don't – I think Najee's best deployed as as a second-unit guy. I mean, he's like – I mean, I, I feel like we referred to him as Tyreek Evans uh, – like a Tyreek Evans mold type of player a lot, and I feel like that's not the worst comparison. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, he's not he's not the defender Herb is, and he's not the shooter Trey is. And so what are you asking him to do in that starting lineup, I guess? Okay, so here's my pushback to you. Pushback number one. I've said this all year. The Pelicans have not lost a beat defensively when Herb Jones has missed games. They have not. The Herb Jones, fantastic individual defender. He's had multiple huge moments this season alone uh, on the defensive. And it's not translating to the team overall impact because the team is just good defensively. Every time Najee's had a slot in there, they have not, they have not looked out of sorts. Like their defense is, is fine. I don't think he's that far behind uh, as, as a defender um you know on a night in night out basis and in fact he fouls less which is i think a valuable thing and he rebounds better so two two fronts on on her fouls less rebounds better also a better playmaker um i think this is a better offensive player so so i agree with the, the, I agree with the offensive part. I, I don't agree I, I don't think the rebounding pieces is necessary in a Jonas zion lineup but go, go, go ahead i i think it is i mean i think i think every bit every bit helps because in being able to grab and go and transition and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Herb Jones also does that, but Najee gets to the line more. And, um, and you know, you don't buy the shooting for 40%, but 34% on the season still get better than what Herb's giving you. Um, I think, excuse me, he's a more willing shooter uh, than Herb there. So if, if the equation for Willie Green is we don't want Trey Murphy out there because we don't trust him as a stop, as like the sole stopper in the lineup, then then you want a stopper in there. That leaves you three options, in my opinion, Herb, Dyson, Najee. Um, you know, I think each player has an actual argument for fitting into that starting lineup. They they really do. And I and I think obviously is going forward, I would love to see Dyson um embrace more of that role right now. Uh I think with Dyson, the issue is he's a little too gun shy offensively. Um you, you can't play large stretches of minutes and only get get up three shots. And I think part of that's just being a rookie. And you saw that with Jose last year. Jose was a little timid before coming into his, his own um, towards the end of the season. And whereas now Jose night and different, like he, if he sees a shot, he'll take it. Right. Um, and, and so Dyson still, uh, still has an element of, I don't want to make a mistake. I'm not going to put up these shots. 
So, so in order for Dyson to be like a long, a, a mainstay in the, in the offensive group, he's got to be more aggressive. You can't be the PJ Tucker of guards. You just can't, you can't do that. Um, Najee gives you that playmaking, that connective, uh, that connective passing and, and just secondary, um, uh, secondary ability to create. So I think when, you know, you talk about Najee's best serve as a bench piece. And I think on the surface, that seems correct, but I, Every time Najee has been successful or had has had successful stretches, it's come playing next to other good players. So this is like the Lonzo ball conundrum, right? Remember when we used to talk about how oh, Lonzo looks really good next to the starters, and then you ask him to like run the bench unit or come off the bench, he don't look so good. So I guess my, my counter to that is you're never – I guess in the regular season you might be, but in you typically don't have five person bench units, right? Like there's usually a mix of starters and bench guys in there. And that's kind of what Najee's been playing with this over the last few games specifically is with, you know, Jonas and CJ, but pretty much bench guys otherwise. And so um, I think if, yeah, I mean, if, if, if defenses can key in on him as the guy who's trying to do all the creating and in a bench unit, then I, he's had problems, but, but I think, even if it's a mix of starters and bench players, I, I think he's he's been somewhat you know, relatively successful. I think that's fair. I just think I, we've gotten to the point now where the level of success he has had as a starter, uh, not just this year. I, I, I seem to remember uh, me tweeting uh, not the Najee starting the Nikhil and Najee <laughs> as starters in place of, of Eric Bledsoe and, uh, and, and Lonzo ball uh, for a significant portion uh, to end that year. And, and I just think it's something worth exploring if Herb's offensive issues continue to be glaring. Um, See, I'd, because, that, I'd rather give it to Dyson, um, but yeah, I hear your rookie concern. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I think, I think, having a fifth guy who is an actual offensive threat is important. And that's what we, that's what I think you and I like Trey in that spot a lot um, because of the spacing he offers and, and he can score the ball when, when they pass it to him. Um, but Najee, Najee can put the ball on the floor and make things happen in a way um, Herb and Trey yeah. just can't yet. At yeah. Least. I, yeah. And it's tough. Cause like, I mean, when we, I remember sitting with you, uh, you know, in the studio before the season and talking about how I thought, you know, Herb was going to have to, there, I, I would have to see a lot from other players or just be disappointed in Herb this year to, to say that that shouldn't be his, his spot um, even through a rough stretch. But I think one, the, the stuff we've talked about around how the defense has been good without him. And then two, he's just, I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know what it is, but he's been, you know, he, I think he's taken a step back offensively, both. I mean, not just shot making, but I feel like, um, you know, what we saw from him in this second half of the, um, of the thunder game, I feel like we haven't seen as much of that hurt as, as, as we did even in his rookie year. And so it's, it's becoming a, a challenge for this team. And so I think, um, you know, you're, you're right in that. I, I've, you know, I've come around on, um, you know, Trey being probably the better option for the starting lineup or Dyson. And I feel, I feel the like future is both Trey and Dyson. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still going to fight me, fight you on that one. Like I did before the season, just about the, 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 the trouble that causes with your uh, front court and rebounding. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like with Dyson specifically, I'm less concerned about him being gun shy at this point. And I think if you give him reps with the starting lineup and you say, look, fire away from the corner, you can't be, you can't have shot worse than Herb has so far. Like, I, I feel like he would, he is a connector. Like you, like Lonzo, like you said, talking oh, about sure. Lonzo, like he's a big time connector and he, he, he would fit, I think fairly seamlessly into that lineup on both ends. And so I feel like I would pick if, if you, if we are saying whatever, you know, Willie doesn't trust Trey, which I guess if you're not going to trust Trey, you, I mean, it seems like you trust Dyson defensively, but that's so like, I would, I would go with Dyson and I would still even go with Herb over Najee. Um, but it, uh, but I don't, I, I hear your argument. Um, so I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, no, totally. Totally. I, I look, I don't think there's a right answer here. Um, I do think that these are conversations and I don't think it's, it's all of our wins. Look at that. 
Look at that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's cut and dry. That's the only point I'm trying to bring up is there's a, there's a lot of folks in the fan base who are uh, who believe it's it's Herb and you can't bench that guy. And I think they're entitled to their belief, but so far the data has shown that it's a it's a bigger conversation than people some people are willing to admit. Um, and and I say that. I say that because it's a really, really good problem. Like it's not, it's not a Herb is a bad player. It's like, Oh my God, all of these other players are also getting good or showing things that, that fit in with specific groups. So it's, it's a fun, fun spot to be in. And the, I think the most interesting uh, or, or, or a very interesting part of this is in the regular season, do you even just do you even want the best shooter as as that as that last starter, uh, or the best shooter who plays good enough defense? Because I I could argue that Zion's shown us time and time again, the hell with spacing. Like he doesn't need it. The, the offense does not need him. Yeah, like, I mean until spacing. you run into the something like the Bucks, like that game was just a disaster. That's why I said the regular season. Like for a lot of these teams, maybe you don't need it. Um, and, and this, and what those shooters off the bench give you are ways, it, other ways to help keep the offense afloat when Zion's on the floor, when Garnett Ingram's not on the floor. Like I think, I think that's you know you put can put together a more well-rounded forty-eight minutes and still close with the right line, still close with the guys you want to close with. But yeah, against good teams, you need to you need to kind of think playoffs. You don't have to think you can't think you know eighty-two games. You got to think all right, how, how how do I beat this team on this night? Yeah, I think it's a fair argument. I think people can go either way philosophically on that. I think personally, I don't want to cheese the the regular season and to like quote unquote hide my weakest shooter in the starting lineup, and and because I think that builds habits of playing a certain way, and then you get to the playoffs, and then you need to take that player off the court, and all of a sudden you can't, and you run into a situation where it's Jackson Hayes who needs to be benched for Trey Murphy <laughs> in the playoffs, and is continuing to get the starts because reasons. Um, well, if you're if you're lowest uses players out there, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, I, I guess there's a concern for bad habits, but I, it's not. I like mean, you have I to... just think like you should play the way that you're trying to to win a championship, and that includes starters and closers, and, and or you know, or not just a championship, but like be successful in the postseason. And so I understand, um, you know, starting one way if you're closing another way. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I just I just think that those adjustments are so much harder to make in the playoffs where you're like, okay, the answer is I got to bench this guy because coaches are just naturally resistant to what's worked for them all season. And it also just messes up everything you've worked on all season. So like, you know, like when, when Tony Allen got Tony Allen, you can't just bench Tony Allen. Um, and, and same with like the Sixers who like had Ben Simmons and it's like, well, do we bench Ben Simmons? And I, that makes Matisse Teibel unplayable too. Uh, Andre Roberson couldn't get benched like, cause oh, we rely on this guy. And so I, I just don't want them to paint themselves into a corner, um, with this and, and it's still early and, yeah. and, and it could very well, you know, over the next three months, Herb could shoot, um, 37% from three and just bury this, this discussion, just nip would- it in the bud. Yeah. And we would never talk about it again. Yeah. I was about to push back on you. And, and then I pulled up the, the stats from the first round series last year. And every all six games, the starting lineup was exactly the same. I was like, wait, didn't Willie make some kind of change? It's like, nope, no, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> and, and Jackson that was, started all six. And he was good for precisely four minutes of, of the entire series. <laughs> of game two, right? Like, four like, minutes where he like yeah. defended Devin Booker, forced that turnover, got that dunk. Devin Booker tried to block that shot for some reason. Uh, hurt his hamstring. Oops, hit the mic. Uh, That's how we know. Four minutes. Serious. <laughs> four minutes. He was good in that in that one win. Otherwise, complete disaster. Because in the playoffs, every bit of like spacing matters, and every weakness is come like it's is multiplied. It's not just like oh, this weakness exists and teams are going to exploit it. No, it's under a complete microscope and it's constantly attacked at. And and when you play non shooters. Yep. That's what's going to happen. And Zion is a non-shooter and, and he can't be in multiple lineups long-term with other non-shooters. I, I, he makes it work. Is that what's, what's best for the team? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's not in the, when we talk playoffs and against really good teams, it's definitely not the right answer, but um, you know, I can, 
I can see you. I, I, I can see the arguments playing different styles throughout the course of the season as you, you know, before you get there. But speaking of shooters, and this is what we're going to close out on Demonte Graham. Playing really well, playing yeah. really well. I would say I, I said this last night against Indiana. He was the Pelicans' best guard. Uh, CJ um, Jose both both registered minutes that game. Kyra Kyra had a really good game too. Um, shout out Kyra Lewis. Welcome back, sir. Welcome yeah. back. Looking good. Uh, but Devonte had a really good game. He's been shooting well. Uh, but I think most impressive about him. Uh, these last few games is he's finding a way to the, get to the free throw line. He's kind of he's become a semi-elite grifter, uh, just exaggerating contact, find, you know, getting people off balance, really using the th- the threat of his shot uh, to open up his passing and his driving, which is exactly how you want him to play. Quietly, he's putting together a career year in terms of efficiency and, and other metrics. It's just he's just not getting the minutes to, to produce the points and, and assist, but having, having a good season, having playing a role, playing it well. Um. Devonte Graham in the last three games has taken a total of three shots inside the three point line. He has eight free throws, free or free throw attempts. Like that's that's wild. That's not something like there's another Pelicans guard who you could never have said that said that about. Um, as far as how often you're getting inside three point line and how many free throws you're shooting. But um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's I think grifting is it's we mean it in the most endearing way <laughs> for for Devonte, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a uh, look, same, same thing, different, different reasons, but same argument for, as, as with Jackson. Like if you're, if you're a bench guy, that's earning trips to the line. You're not only creating points for yourself and for the team, you're creating a scenario where in the, you know, when the starters come back in, you're there, they get fouled on the floor and they're going to the free throw line. So that's so important. I think, especially again, for the start of the second start of the fourth quarter to have bench guys who can you know create that kind of contact and get you know, get opponents to value and get your starters back closer to the bonus to, you know, get free points of their own. And I think, you know, we've been pretty consistent about this is is the utilization of Devontae in the past with alongside other small guards and putting him in small lineups, just putting him in a situation where he's exposed and overtaxed on, on both ends is, has not been the best of it, but, um, you know they've they've stuck with him. They've I think they, the lineups have gotten better. Obviously the hierarchy's changed. Point Zion changes so many things, especially yep. for a guy like Devonte. Um, and and the, the Pelicans continue to put out minutes uh, or players who where they don't lose the minutes when they're on the court. And and I think people forget with Devonte is that he was a starter on this team this time last year, a starter and winning lineups. the minutes. Yeah, winning the minutes when he was a starter. So so you know, useful, useful player. Uh, they've had to u- utilize this depth with all the injuries they've had, all the sicknesses they've had, they've had to do it. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy. He's playing well. Uh, he, he has an 81.5% three point attempt for 81.5% of his shots are from three. That's nuts. It's <laughs> that like crazy. smokes anybody else on this team, including Trey. Uh, and which is like, you know, he's the most obvious candidate for trade amongst, you know, like Jackson Hayes and, and perhaps Garrett Temple uh, when it comes to finding a new person. But that's why it's like so key when they do, if and when they do find a new person, like either that person's got to put up threes or someone else on the roster's got to start getting up threes and hitting them. Um, you know, like some people will get up the threes and just not get close uh, to, to making them. But he, he right now is providing a skill set and a role to the Pelicans, they currently no one else is providing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that argument extends to his, his trade value in the market, because um, there are some teams that are going to have similar problems in New Orleans and trying to figure out ways lineups that he makes sense in, because you're going to be putting him with another small guard. But I, I, I truly believe that he can be a positive, uh, you know, rotation player for a good team. Maybe not like he's not going to be a, a rotation player for yeah, an NBA finalist or, you know, a, a really, really deep playoff team. But he can help a lot of teams in this league and, and not just, you know, when, you know, when in, in unique situations, when players are hurt, like he can be a rotation guy. And so, you know, I, I don't think, especially with the way he's playing right now, I don't think the Pelicans need to just be worried about like, oh, we'll have to attach a pick to get off off his contract. Like, yeah, no hopefully reason. not. Yeah. So I want to close with this. Um, I think I've asked you this before. I asked you this preseason I want to get your thoughts now. How many rotation players do the Pelicans have do you think are playoff viable? 
like that will that you feel comfortable giving minutes to in the playoffs today? Um. So Brandon, CJ, Jonas, Zion, Larry. So it's five. Um, Herb six. Uh, looking at uh, Jose seven. <laughs> the, I, I'm just I'm now reading your facial expressions. Um, Trey's got to be really close. I mean Trey Trey's going to be a rotation player in the playoffs, and so I think. Um, I'm, I am optimistic he will figure figure it out by the time we get to the playoffs. Um, so that's eight. Obviously, the other two players you think about are Najee and Dyson. I feel good about Dyson, playoff rotation Dyson right now. Um, and Najee too. Like this team's got 10 players you that I think Najee you could – what's that? You said Najee and Dyson. That's ten. Yeah. 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 So this team's got ten players that I would feel good about uh, in a playoff rotation. I don't think that, like, as you get deeper in the playoffs, I think that quite, that conversation has to change. But and would I play all ten? No. But that I, I have ten players who I think could have a role in the right situation and not just get like the Pelicans wouldn't just get blasted when they're in like and then yeah I, i'm i'm less confident than you are i I, I think oh, you know the five yeah okay the five I, that you mentioned to start with i think are, are accurate um i think as you get into deeper rounds herb's utility will diminish and so like yes he's a rotation player is he like a starting caliber guy i don't know 20 yeah, 20 minutes the, a night guy that's the big yeah. multi-year question with him i think not just right um now, but yeah I think I think Trey is and will be. I think he. There's no question for me. I'm, I'm like I have no hesitation on that. Um, I'm not confident in Jose uh, being a rotation player in the, in, the in the playoffs. It's the size and then just like the relative inconsistency. Like he's streaky, high energy guy, and so like I think he's like the perfect guy. Like in a first round series, perfect so high guy. impact though, man. Like I, 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 yeah, I mean tough like he's he always the team is good when he plays and like that the numbers back that up but i i, I hear you in the playoffs like it's a whole different animal so we'll see, we'll see. Uh, they're good when they're blitzing the second round you know second quarter i don't know i look i he's he's a no, good player i am not i am not uh denying his energy uh and the impact like he has like so i think i think he's the type of player that like will play in the first two games of a series. And then like, as a series go like each series, like at every level. And then as the series goes on, his minutes, like it's smaller and smaller to, to where, you know, like at, if they need him or not. And I think like, he's definitely a player you play anytime, like in the first couple games at home, because there are, there's just not many players that get the crowd so involved. And that is an important factor in the playoffs. And so he's, but to me, he's going to be a bit player because you figure out, okay, is he going to make those momentum changing plays like very quickly or not? Um, and and if if it just isn't one of those nights, they they gotta they gotta go back to 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 some other starters or their other players. Um, okay. I I'm way more willing to include Najee now than I was in the past. Um, my I'm still really high on Dyson. I'm just I need to see him more aggressive on offense. I just do. And, and I, again, I, I suspect it's because he's a rookie and, you know, he's finding his, his footing, but whatever it is, I, I do not care the reason behind it. He needs to be more aggressive on offense because if he's not, he is not playoff viable. Okay. And, 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 and th- that's, that's where I draw the line. So that's interesting. I mean, this, they got a lot of similar players. Uh, that's I, so that's a good, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. And similarities is like, they've got like, 10 rotation players, but uh, in my opinion, but three of those and the rotation players are highly duplicative. So they don't really have 10 rotation players, right? Like they're guys you can't all play together. So it's not actually 10. It's a fake 10. It's, 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 I think we disagree about Jose. I feel like there's, you know, I, I, I hear your concerns for sure. They're exactly the same concerns that I, I, I had before the season. And is he, is he just a gimmick player? Is he real? And now I think we have, we've seen enough of us know he's real. But is he playoff real? I think it's certainly out, up for debate. But yeah, like the end of like um, Dyson, Najee, and Herb does a lot that right now, as far as what they're giving the Pelicans right this moment, highly 
overlaps. And so you, you yeah, can't use I them mean, all together. They, they can all slide in for each other depending on the game or injuries or matchup. But yeah, I mean, with, with Jose, it's the same thing for me in terms of Herb. It's like in the regular season and against undisciplined team, those guys are going to feast. They're going to turn opponents over. They're going to create a lot of chaos. Their individual defense matters. And I think individual defense in the playoff is really not as important. Um, and and a guy like Jose will get picked on. Uh, and, and you know, we, we loved Jose um, against CP3. And CP3 went 13 for 13. Like, like it, it just at some point, you know, and we've, we've seen him uh, against the Suns again this year. Like it's he's a very hot and cold guy. And I think a little bit like Devontae, where it's like, if he's got it going, like you've got to play him just like you've got to play Devontae to figure out like, Hey, is this your night? Uh, are you going to get the crowd into? You're going to do something crazy. It's going to, you, you got to figure that out. But I think as a series goes on, you see like a shorter and shorter leash. So like what may be like 17 minutes in game one turns into six minutes in game five. Um, and, yeah. and, and I think if you're a six minute player in the playoffs, you're not a, a rotation player. Sure. Yeah, no, that's I, I, I think it's fair. And and then but, suddenly, if if Jose's not not the rotation guy, then suddenly you're in that Larry Nance world of like everyone everyone on the team is like from six six three to six nine. Everyone's super switchy besides Jonas, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't know. They just gotta find the, the thing with Jose is more so than his defense. It's the offense that changes things because he generally his ability to put the ball on the floor and create for other people takes a lot of pressure off CJ. It takes a lot of pressure off of those other folks, and so they gotta find that creation from somewhere else. Um, and that's a little bit less of a problem when, when Zion and, and BI are going to be playing heavy minutes in the playoffs and, and the rotations are smaller, but yeah, that's, that's, that's where Jose changes the game. In my opinion, um, is, is he, he brings it on the offensive end in a way, like even when his shot isn't falling, you, you have a steady hand. Um, his decision-making can be erratic. He's not, you know, immune to turnovers or anything, but that's, that's interesting, but Hey, I would love to be proven wrong. I've already been proven wrong about Najee uh, with regards to his utility in, in the in the regular season. Been wrong multiple times on, on other players. So um, if this team continues to grow uh, like the way they are. I, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I will say you can't – I don't see a world in which you can play CJ and, and Jose together in the playoffs. I think you're too exposed there size-wise. Um, yeah, just I'm trying to think of the right matchup and – that's so tough. That's so tough. Yeah, like if you go with um, with like Jose and Jose, Bi, Trey, Zion, Nance. Like I could see that. I could see that working. Like there, there are certain. I think there are certain rotations you could put him in. I just would not. I think him and CJ is. is you just look at the players they got to go through, and it's like Luca. Luca's gonna hunt that. Um, Jokic will take. You know, they're not all playing 48 minutes, minutes, but yeah, I hear you. They're all playing 40. Yeah, yeah. I they're mean, they're going to play a lot of minutes, though. That's yeah. the thing. Is they, yeah. they will play 40, yeah. you know? So um, I think, oddly enough, Memphis will be a good matchup for Jose because uh, Tyus Jones is about a similar size player, and you can feel pretty confident about that. And, and Ja is way more athletic, but maybe Ja tweets something in the series. And then, and yeah, then I mean, look, you, you just need to like get in Ja's head a little bit and, and, and make things difficult. And I'm fine using Jose for that. Maybe, you know, Ja still scores 35 points a game, but I, I think Jose is playable in that. They don't got that like mismatch hunting apex predator wing or big um, that some of these other um, teams got. Although Portland would be interesting against Dame. Um, just another, you know, like size player where I think you can get away with playing them. Yeah. Damn. It, yeah. I mean, like, there's a there's a world in which the Pelicans get um, a Clippers matchup in the first round too. At this point, and then that would be no. I don't. I don't. I don't see. What I don't like right. him in that matchup. No, yeah. So I don't, it, I don't it, see it what you can do. The matchup. I don't see how suppose I can play in that matchup. <laughs> the ja- the Jazz would be interesting. Mike Conley and and Clarkson. You could put them on those guys, but you just have I'm to play not. bigger play- you have to play bigger players next to him to to combat their picks anyways um i think we've run late lots of good talk here pelicans are winning zion trey herb oh not herb but not dyson back the next game against the timberwolves who are a weird team hopefully the pelicans keep their winning ways yeah. um till next time and hopefully next time i'm talking to you your 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 father um i think that'll be the case unless something uh super crazy happens and we got to talk about the next 24 40 hours but um mm-hmm. but yeah Yep. All right, man. Sleep, good luck. Sleepless nights ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, yeah. Good it. luck. Good luck to Anna. And uh, yep. Best of luck. All right. See you. Oh, DraftKings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
it's like it's it's that time of year everyone everyone's excited for the holiday spirit but what about all about basketball when i throw down on the nba action it's got to be with DraftKings sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the nba new customers can bet just five dollars a pre-game money line on any nba team to win their game and get 150 dollars in free bets if they do plus everyone combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings. same game parlays Download the DraftKings app. Use the promo code BOOT as seen on your screen. B-O-O-T. Place a $5 bet on a pregame money line and on any NBA team to win and win up to $150 in free bets if they do. That's code B-O-O-T only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older uh, the, to be eligible for this. See DraftKings.com uh, for details. If you or anyone you know has a gambling problem, crisis canceling, uh, counseling, um, can be found at 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Thank you and uh, enjoy.